Hello, and welcome to The Essential Reads. My name is Isaac, and my goal is to bring to you a bunch of classic audiobooks in an easy and accessible way. We're continuing with Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain, and we're on to chapter 13. And if you listen to the last chapter, you'll know that Huck and Jim are in a spot of trouble. Um, like usual, trigger warning for this book, the past was the worst, and there are a bunch of words that should never have been said, but were said a hell of a lot back then. Um, so they're going to be ducked, um, and I know that some people find it distracting for the audio, but um, I need to get paid, and if I leave them in, I won't, so tant pis. Um, maybe I'll set up a thing, I don't know how to do it, um, for in the future, like I'll publish uncensored versions on like a Patreon or something, or... Um, I don't know. I'll, I'll figure it out. Let me know what you think in the comments. Um, but yeah, let's dive into the book. Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain Chapter 13 Well, I catch my breath and almost fainted. Shut up on a wreck with such a gang as that? But it weren't no time to be sentimenting. We gotta find that boat now. Had to have it for ourselves. So we went, a-quaking and shaking, down the starboard side. And slow work it was, too. Seemed a week before we got to the stern. No sign of a boat. Jim said he didn't believe we could go any further. So scared he hadn't hardly any strength left, he said. But I said, come on. If we get left in this wreck, we're in a fix for sure. So on we prowled again. We struck for the stem of the Texas and found it. And then scrambled along forward on the starlight, hanging on from shutter to shutter, for the edge of the skylight was in the water. When we got pretty close to the cross hall door, there was a skiff, sure enough. I could just barely see her. I felt ever so thankful. In a second, I would have been on board her. But just then, the door opened. One of the men stuck his head out, only about a couple of foot from me, and I thought I was gone. But he jerked it in again and says, Heave that blaming lantern out of sight, Bill. He flung a bag of something onto the boat and then got in himself and sat down. It was Packard. And then Bill, he come out and got in. Packard says in a low voice, Already, shove off. I couldn't hardly hang onto the shutters, I was so weak. But Bill says, Hold on, did you go through them? No, didn't you? No, so we got a share of the cash yet? Well then, come along. No use to take truck and leave money. Say, won't he suspicion what we're up to? Maybe he won't, but we gotta have it anyway. Come along. So they got out and went in. The door slammed too, because it was on the cream side. And in half a second, I was on the boat, and Jim come, a-tumbling after me. I out with my knife and cut the rope, and away we went. We didn't touch an oar, and we didn't speak, nor whisper, nor hardly even breathe. We went a-gliding, swift along, dead silent, past the tip of the paddle box, and past the stern. Then, in a second or two more, we was a hundred yards below the wreck, and the darkness soaked her up, every last sign of her. And we was safe. We knowed it. When we was three or four hundred yards downstream, we see the lantern show like a little spark at the Texas door for a second, and we knowed by that that the rascals had missed their boat and was beginning to understand that they was in just as much trouble now as Jim Turner was. Now was the first time that I begun to worry about the men. I reckon I hadn't had time before. I began to think how dreadful it was, 
even for murderers to be in such a fix. I says to myself, there ain't no telling, but I might come to be a murderer myself yet. And then, how would I like it? So I says to Jim, the first light we see will land a hundred yards below it, or above it, in a place where it's a good hiding place for you and the skiff. And then I'll go and fix up some kind of yarn and get somebody for the gang and get them out of their scrape so they can be hung when the time comes. But that idea was a failure, for pretty soon it began to storm again, and this time worse than ever. The rain poured down, and never a light showed. Everybody in bed, I reckon. We boomed along down the river, watching for lights, and watching for our raft. After a long time, the rain let up, but the clouds stayed, and the lightning kept a whimpering, and by and by, a flash showed us a black thing ahead, floating, and we made for it. It was the raft, and mighty glad we was to get aboard it again. We seen a light now, away down to the right, on shore. So I said I would go for it. The skiff was half full of plunder which that gang stole there on the wreck. We hustled it onto the raft in a pile, and I told Jim to float along down and show light when he judged he'd gone about two mile and keep it burning till I come. Then I manned my oars and shoved for the light. As I got down toward it, three or four more showed up on a hillside. It was a village. I closed in above the shore light and laid on my oars and floated. As I went by, I see it was a lantern hanging on the jackstaff of a double-hull ferryboat. I skimmed around for the watchman and wondering whereabouts he slept, and by and by, I found him, roosting on the bits, forward, with his head down between his knees. I give his shoulder two or three little shoves and begun to cry. He stirred up in a kind of startlish way. But when he see it was only me, he took a good gap and stretched. Then he said, Oh, what's up? Oh, don't cry, bub. What's the trouble? I says, Pat, ma'am, and sis. And then I broke down. He says, Oh, dang it now. Don't take on so. We all has to have our troubles, and this'll come out all right. What's the matter with them? They're, they're, there, there, are you watchman of the boat? Yes, he says, kind of pretty well satisfied like. I'm the captain and the owner and mate and pilot and watchman and head deckhand and sometimes I'm the freight and passengers. I ain't as rich as old Jim Hornback and I can't be so blamed generous to good Tom, Dick and Harry as what he is and slam around money the way he does but I told him many a time that I wouldn't trade places with him. For, I says, a sailor's life's the life of me. And I'm darned if I'd live two miles out of town where there ain't nothing ever going on. Not for all his spondulics and as much more on top of it, says I. I broke in and says, They ain't an awful peck of trouble, eh? Who's this? Why, Pap and Ma'am and Sis and Miss Hooker. If you take your ferry boat and go up there. Up where? Where, where are they? Uh, on the wreck. What wreck? Why, there ain't but one. What? You don't mean the Walter Scott? Yes. Good land. What are they doing there, for gracious sakes? Well, they didn't go there a purpose. I bet they didn't. Why, great goodness, there ain't no chance for them if they don't get off mighty quick. Why, how in the nation did you ever get into such a scrape? Easy enough. Miss Hooker was a visiting up there in the town. Yes, Booth Landon. Go on. She was a visiting there at Booth Landon, 
and just in the edge of the evening she started over with her new woman in the horse fair to stay all night at a friend's house. Miss, what you call it? I, I disremember her name. And they got lost steering oar and swung around and went a-floating down, stern first about two mile and saddle-bagged on the wreck. And the ferryman and the new woman and all the horses was lost. But Miss Hooker, she made a grab and got aboard the wreck. Well, about an hour after dark, we come along down in our trading scow. It was so dark we didn't notice the wreck till we was right on it. And so we saddlebaxed. But all of us was saved but Bill Whipple. And oh, he was the best creator. I'd most wished it had been me, I do. By George, that is the beatenest thing I ever struck. And then what did y'all do? Well, we hollered and took on, but... It's so wide there, we couldn't make nobody hear. So Pap said, somebody go ashore and get help somehow. I was the only one who could swim, so I made a dash for it. And Miss Hooker said, if I didn't strike help sooner, come here and hunt her uncle, and he'd fix the thing. I made the land about a mile below and been following along ever since, trying to get people to do something. But they said, what? In such a night and such a current? There ain't no sense in it. Go for the steam ferry. Now, if you'll go and... By Jackson, I'd like to. And blame it, I don't know, but I will. But who in ding nations going to pay for it? Drekin your pap? Why, that's all right. Miss Hooker, she told me particular that her uncle Hornback, great guns, is he her uncle? Looky here, you break for that light over yonder way and turns out west when you get there. And about a quarter of a mile, you'll come to the tavern. Tell him to dot you out to Jim Hornback's and he'll foot the bill. And don't you fool around any, because he'll want to know the news. Tell him I'll have his niece all safe before he can get to town. Hump yourself now. I'm going up around the corner here to rouse my engineer. I struck for the light, but as soon as he turned the corner, I went back and got into my skiff and bailed her out, and then pulled up shore in easy water about 600 yards and tucked myself in among some wood boats, for I couldn't rest easy till I see the ferry boat start. But take it all around, I was feeling rather comfortable, on accounts of taking all this trouble for that gang. Not many would have done it. I wish the widow knowed about it. I just she'd be proud of me for helping these rapscallions, because rapscallions and deadbeats is the kind the widow and good people take most interest in. Well, before long, here comes the wreck, dim and dusty, sliding along down. A kind of cold shiver went through me, and then I struck out for her. She was very deep, and I see in a minute there weren't much chance for anybody being alive in her. I pulled all around her and hollered a little, but there wasn't any answer. All dead still. I felt a little heavy-hearted about the gang, but not much, for I reckoned if they could stand it, I could. Then here comes the ferryboat, so I shoved for the middle of the river on a long downstream slant, and when I judged I was out of eye's reach, I laid on my oars and looked back and see her go and smell around the wreck for Miss Hooker's remainders because the captain would know her uncle Hornback would want him. And then, pretty soon, the ferryboat lived up and went for shore, and I laid into my work and went a-booming down the river. It did seem a powerful long time before Jim's light showed up, and when it did show, it looked like it was a thousand mile off. By the time I got there, the sky was beginning to get a little gray in the east, so we struck for an island and hid the raft and sunk the skiff and turned in and slept like dead people. Thank you so very much for listening. 
If you enjoyed, please like, comment, share, all that jazz. And if you really enjoyed, do subscribe or join the channel because there's more to come. And if you're listening on podcast, please leave a review and you can join the channel as well. It's like the first link in the little channel description or the episode description. It's also there. So please do that. It's a very easy way to support me and really makes my day. Um, Yeah. Hope you enjoyed that chapter and I'll see you in a couple of days with the next one. Once again, thank you. And until next time, bye-bye.